Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Real Adventures. Talking all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. For Visit Mildura. Unexpected. Unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Here's your hosts, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures where we talk fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Aaron Habgood and Patrick Dangerfield joining you this morning. Good morning, Patrick, as you sit there in this glorious sunshine that we have been receiving this past week in, we like to call it sunny, sunny Melbourne, Patrick, and uh, you're in Port Ferry and you've had a glorious week up there. Good morning, mate. Good morning, mate. I am uh, coming uh, to you from the Port Ferry Caravan Park, Big Four, Uh, wonderful Big Four for anyone that's uh, looking to spend their school holidays a couple of hours away from Melbourne. It has everything that you need. So we've been here for a week and I tell you what, the locals who I've uh, got to know very well because my daughter Winnie, she wakes up about 5.30 and <laughs> when you're staying in a caravan in confined space, it's like, all right, we're out the door and we're walking. So I've got to know the local barista well. Uh, they said you could plan for 10 years straight and not get weather like we've had the past week. So we've been very fortunate, mate. And uh, you, you're not staying in your your cabins the luxurious cabins there it's actually a beautiful caravan park there that you mentioned i've been fortunate enough staying in the cabins but you're in something probably even nicer you're in your the lotus caravan how's that been with kids yeah, I should be in there. with kids with three of them with kids correct it's been our first proper i suppose um voyage away if, if you like first proper trip so we've been away for a week um and it's been, it's actually been unreal. The kids have slept sort of 12 hours every night. The beauties, all the windows, there's all, there's the shutters that close it off. So it's totally pitch black inside. Uh, and the other thing is, because they spend all day outside, they're absolutely knackered by the time they come into, into sleep. So you know, if anyone is looking to, to travel to Port Ferry, like, so we're at the big four and the beauty of it is, is there's a jumping pillow if you've got toddlers, so Winnie for us, she's 10 months old, and they're obviously difficult to sort of control. They've got an indoor playroom, which is great, outdoor play ground, which is brilliant, um, indoor swimming pool. Like, it's just, it's perfect for kids. And and we stay, we're staying at one of the sites that's got a external sort of ensuite toilet facility, which, you know, the van toilets and showers fine, but if you don't need to, and there's no one, We've been lucky like throughout this week. It's been a bit busier this weekend, but it had been a, a pretty much vacant caravan park and it's just been been fantastic. So I've enjoyed it. We've, we've done a bit of fishing as well, Redmond. Fished the Moyne River. Oh, yeah. So, mm. Any um, so taking George there, well, fished a lot. Haven't caught a lot. <laughs> we have caught a, have caught a few EPs on, um, on some really small soft plastics. So that was... That was exhilarating, to be honest. I think they're 25 to 30 centimetres, so not massive fish, but great fun. George was absolutely frothing at it. It's been great waves as well. That's the other thing. 
So it's been it's been enjoyable. Um, and you've been donging the big tuna, mate. Well, before I get into what I've been doing up here, I want to ask you about this caravan because I've actually liked a couple of things on it. What I, I liked about it is a lot of the stuff external. Yeah. Yeah, so when I was designing it, I wanted something that was pretty much set and forget. So you rock up to the caravan park and you, you sort of ready to go within 10 minutes. You don't have to spend sort of an hour setting everything up. So it's electric hydraulic um, self-leveling systems. So you're, not, you're not spending like, it's funny watching people come into the caravan park and they spend 40 minutes driving up on blocks trying to level the caravan. Whereas yeah, yeah. the system that the, the Lotus has, it's it does the, all that um, hydraulically at the press of a button. So self-levels, which is just the biggest game changer. You do pay a premium for it. Like it is expensive. I think it's off the top of my head and right the exact numbers. It's sort of a 25 grand option, I reckon. But it makes trailering because the suspension that, that it's set up with is is electrifying like you it's it really it, it rides as well as the car it's not like like towing my 750 north bank you know you hit those potholes and you just hear bang and obviously there's a bit of the the boat skipping sometimes and it's a it's a different suspension setup to a caravan but it's it's so much easier to tow and this thing this thing's still seven meters so that's a that's a big win the outdoor kitchens i think it's a must if you if you're just that's- designing a caravan now yeah, yeah, that's what keeps I like. It, keeps everything outside. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, you, I saw you sent a photo during the week cooking the bacon and eggs. And you know what cooking bacon's like, spitting fat everywhere. And you've got a nice brand exactly. new caravan. You don't, you don't want all that crap in there. And at least, at least outside, it can spit on the kids out there and not make a mess of the caravan, at least. But it's uh, it just makes life so much easier when you're tidying up. There's nothing worse. Well, that's what that's what I noticed when you were flicking the photos through external kitchen. Jesus, that's a game changer for me. <laughs> Yeah, and it just rolls out. It's all stainless steel. It's actually a, it's a kitchen that they build themselves. Lighter. So there's there's a few different sort of models on the in the market that you can get. Dometic have a have a rollout slide kitchen. It's about three and a half grand um, to buy the unit. Then you've got to install it, obviously, or depending if you're buying it new. Um, this one that Lotus do is a little bit less than that, and it's got dual burners. It's got a sink there. It's got a fold out extendable bench, which is great, and I don't care, Redmond, as as good as technology is around um, the ventilation in caravans, the smells still permeate through everything if you're going to cook inside and close doors. So this way, it's yeah. it keeps it simple. Um, and, and then the other thing I think that's, that's we've really enjoyed is just the storage that you have external. It's got like this little front garage almost at the front of the trailer where I've got a slide-out fridge to keep sort of bait and anything that sort of doesn't smell as nice that you don't really want in the caravan so that's on a sort of that's on a slide that's just a little dramatic fridge freezer and then on the other sides like where i keep all my tool tools and anything that you know at some point something's going to go wrong or you, you might need to fix something i fixed with scooter the other day and um I, I couldn't be more impressed with it now just a bit of a dumb question last one about the caravan three kids in it young age is it hard or have you been managing it fine? I've been really surprised how enjoyable it's been. So there's how we've got it set up. It's got a toilet and shower in the, in the back right-hand corner if you're in the caravan looking at it. And on the, on the other side, it's got three bunks and then 
joining those two is cabinetry and a, and a washing machine underneath. We've actually used the washing machine every day. Not yeah, right. huge loads of washing, just like the kids' socks and jocks and T-shirts. And it's not like, you know, your Fisher and Paykel at home, but for if it hasn't been, you know, too heavily soiled, it's bloody perfect. Kids have slept really well in the bunks. Sort of gives you enough separation from them. Um, and then, then we sleep at the, the front end of the caravan. So it's oh, I've actually been surprised how much I've enjoyed it because growing up, we camped. We didn't have the money to buy a caravan. And um, it's been really good. It's been bus-free. And the technology that they put into them now, like it's just extraordinary. It's, it's luxury on wheels. Well, going to head into the boating world now, Patrick. Sorry, mate, but we're going to have to leave the caravan there. And I know you've had a good trip, but we're going to go over to the aluminium boat. The plate. The US, yes. actually, as well. Did you see during the week, and I'm going to ask your thoughts on this, what are your thoughts on Bar Crusher, which is an iconic Australian travel fishing boat, heading yes, over absolutely. to the US boating market? What are your thoughts on this? Well, the... Bar Crush has obviously changed ownership. So clearly one of the, you know, the, the gaps yes. in the market that's seen has been, all right, let's let's diversify um, our sales. Australia's big, but it's not massive. We've seen this with Stabycraft as they've started to really infiltrate the US market. Well, they went to the north. So they went to North America and they've got a place there where they where they build Stabycrafts. So it's basically following the footsteps. And Stabycraft has been very, very successful with the international boating out of New Zealand. So it's, yeah. uh, it, do you reckon it's a good move? Do you reckon it's going to take off for them? Because they're a unique, they say they're built for our waters, this and that. And you know what the you know what the Yanks are like, Patrick? They love their big glass boats with their 65 engines on the back. Is, do you reckon <laughs> there's a place for these bar crushers? I think there is. I mean, it's the US is, a, is an interesting market. It, it, they're very ingrained with how things and with how they like sort of things constructed. And if you look at so many of their uh, aluminium boats or aluminium, as they call them over there, so many are actually riveted together. <laughs> like that's how the Titanic was built. Um, but it's sort of just been ingrained in US culture. But I think with the success that Stabycraft has had, clearly, you know, Bar Crusher have seen this and said, you know what, we can replicate that. And we can, if you talk about the sheer quantity that you can produce and sell over there versus Australia, it'd be a far more lucrative market. So oh, I think it's fascinating to, it's going to be fascinating to see. Hopefully, if their production increases, does that potentially reduce the cost? You like to hope so as a consumer. Um, but they're they're really they're a really popular boat. Um, they've obviously put a huge amount of energy and effort into their advertising. They're extremely well marketed, and if they can replicate that in the US, then I think they can they can you know be quite successful in that. In that market, um, do they the thing, change design? Well, I think that's a really good question. I think you do need to target the local markets, uh, and we've seen like one of the, the big success stories for Stabycraft in the US or US Alaska um, has been the Ultra Cab and the fact that the whole thing is encased and it works well because you, you're in a market where um, it is bloody freezing and you're able to close the whole thing in. So that's why that's been so successful. You'd think if Barcra, and I know you were talking about, you know, you've got the South versus the North, um, you do need to tailor it to the, 
and the, the climates that you're going to to work with. But yeah, I think it makes sense that you you do have to tailor it to the you know the specific place that you um, you're going to sell to. Now another one coming out for you, Patrick. I'm looking it after you this morning. The Avicat self docking tech is to roll out in some boats in 2024. I don't know if you've seen this during the week, but basically. Uh, <laughs> they're bringing a self-docking me mechanism, which is going to be placed onto a lot of super yachts and the likes and smaller boats as well. But they're going to be placed onto all these boats right around the world now through Raymarine. Raymarine's doing a lot of this sort of stuff. This uh, Would you purchase this? A complete self-docking mechanism, which is going to... The most stressful part of boat ownership is parking 100%. a boat. It doesn't matter yep. where you are. What you're doing, even like even myself, if I'm going into a harbour and I've got a big boat, thirty foot boat, and I'm trying to park and you do it, it every day. Oh no, it's like crap. Who's watching here? <laughs> Is it something that would you right now with a seven fifty hard top and you're you're comfortable driving yours, but you you don't a fan of it around the harbours and whatnot? Would you put it? Would you put this on your boat straight away? Well, I've got the um, joystick three sixty. So it's the joystick yep. control. So this is clearly designed for sort of thirty foot plus boats. Would it would I install it in something like that? Potentially. I I reckon the joystick control is a game changer if you're comfortable with your boat. But yep. you know, you how many times do people use boats that are thirty foot plus? Not a huge amount. People have a lot of money and they're happy to spend it. Do they use the toys that they buy? Not always. Um, I think the important part of this is this is backed owned. Um, Avicus is the division. It's actually owned by Carmaker Hyundai, oh, so yeah. it's it's not it's not like it's um, you know a tiny little startup. This is a really well backed um, technology by one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world. So I think it I think it will go well. I think it makes sense. I think we've seen over the last few years whether it's joystick control whether it's um, the gyrosphere making it far easier and far more comfortable uh, whilst fishing and underway, boat doesn't rock as much. People are happy to spend big dollars on big boats, and I think this just continues to add to that. The other thing that, that Ray Marine have said around this is that it's easy for um, boat owners to install um, with simple calibrations um, if you get it installed by their, by their tank. They're always going to say that. It's, it's, using, install, uh, it's using six cameras so it basically uses that with a bird with as well as a bird's eye view to uh i guess it's like a car isn't it yeah it, well it is and i have you i think you've been in a tesla or whatnot once or twice but i've only yep. Yep. like they they do all their self-driving i guess and it's all by cameras and I, don't, I don't i just don't i've it's going to obviously work because like you said back by hyundai, hyundai etc but uh, how's it going to an account for conditions like things yeah well it's, you got i know you're relying on cameras and whatnot and it's picking up pictures it's just like for example if you've got the queenscliff harbour and you're pulling into the harbour and you've got that ebb tide coming out and then you've got that northeasterly wind and you're trying to park in chris vasileski's uh pen which is right in the corner <laughs> next to a concrete wall like are you relying on six cameras or what? Like, I, I don't I don't know. It's sort of in my head. It's like, how the hell is this going to account for this? Like, it, it's a pretty scary situation. You've got a 400, 500, $600 million boat. <laughs> well, that's a good question. But uh, I suppose the counter argument would be, I don't use the thing very often. I've got money <laughs> to spend. I'm going to crash <laughs> it anyway. I may as well have the technology to actually help me um, 
dock the damn thing and then you know if it if it doesn't crash well that's a that's a good thing hey uh Navan by Quicksilver which is essentially the Brunswick group which is the owner of um and if this makes no sense at all to anyone listening think of Boston Whale and think of Mercury Sea Ray the biggest boating brands in the world um they're looking to launch um and are about to launch a new premium boat range now we've seen in Australia the Quicksilver range of accessories correct me if I'm wrong Redbin I reckon there were boats maybe 10 no, years no, ago the, that were as you were saying it as you were saying it it was in my head going I'm pretty sure there's boats Quicksilver boats yeah like um, you know fiberglass boats from maybe a decade ago I can't really yeah, remember ones recently I'm just trying to think now no, when you said it straight then I was like come straight to my head going I've definitely seen Quicksilver boats so what are they going to bring out? Do you know what they're going to bring out? Well, they are launching a new brand, and after the break, I am going to tell you all about it. Rightio, well, you're listening to Real Adventures. Pat is in sunny Port Ferry, and I'm happy to say that. And I'm actually in sunny Ocean Grove, and then uh, we're sure I'm going to be going fishing straight after this, utilising this weather. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Real Adventures. We'll see you straight after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures for Visit Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit mildura.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. And before we get into the whip around, Patrick, you're going to take us through all things Quicksilver boats. But I'm just going to jump in early here. And I did a little bit of research in the break. They still make these Quicksilver boats. And they're not sort of my sort of boat. Let's put it that way. You've got a sun deck which I could see you on the front with your luxurious skin there, Patrick, getting your beautiful tan. Uh, cabin, cruisers, sort of bow rider models. Then they've got the Weekender, Pilot House, which is sort of looks like your Ava sort of looking boats. And then, goes, and then they've got a section of new models there, which is sort of like your, uh, I guess you've seen sort of a movie running down Italy canals there or something like that. But there's, uh, they've got a, definitely a good range there, Quicksilver boats. What have you got for us? Well, that shows how... Uh much have been paying attention to the Quicksilver boat range over the years, Webman. Um, <laughs> Stick to I, your department. <laughs> but looking at these new boats, these look a lot better, to be honest, than what the current Quicksilver range is, and they're a lot bigger. So they're uh, branded as the C30 and the S30, and what they claim comes standard with the, indri- uh, with the industry's most advanced technology. So they talk about Simrad, NSX, GPS, chart plotter, C-Zone operating systems, which I actually have in my caravan, the C-Zone operating systems, obviously set up differently, and then clearly uh, matched with Mercury's outboards, whether it's 300, 400, or, or the V10s and uh, the twin 225s. So this is matching their top technology that they already construct in, in one package. And we've seen this in the industry, whether it's Tellwater matching Rotax engines with their Quicksilver, uh, with their Quintrex range. Um, but more and more manufacturers continue to sort of match the brands and um, products that they produce in one package. So it'll be interesting to see. It's it's being launched at the Cairns Yachting Festival, um, and it'll be interesting to see the uptake in Australia, I think. Can I just uh, – both of us aren't going real well with this Quicksilver stuff because I've just gone down into boat sales, which was the next post on Google after I was researching the Quicksilver.com page, Patrick – and straight yeah, up, can you, can you, I don't want, don't make me look bad. 
Mate, there's a 2006 Quicksilver 445 Dingy Deluxe Aluminium. The next one there's a 2005 Quicksilver 640 Warrior, which is a glass boat. Then there's another one, which is a 2007 Quicksilver 395 Punt Aluminium. So whoever's got the trademark or copyright of this, <laughs> there's about 45 different brands of it. But doesn't that speak to trying new things for the brand? Like, Clearly, they're like, all right, let's try aluminium boats, throw that at it. All right, that, yeah. that, is there uptake in the market? Ooh, not really. All right, let's try fiberglass. Is there uptake in the market? Ooh, not particularly. Let's try a different, different niche. Well, Quicksilver, the one that's come to my head, and I, I said to you, I think it was before the break, where I've seen Quicksilver before, the, the Quicksilver 445, 445D showed up here is the 100% is the, the boat that I was thinking of. So yeah, it was yeah. It's that it's that tinny there. Uh, it's a tinny that's basically, I guess, it's sort of like a Stace or a Quintrex along the lines of that. And it's just it looks it's, a lot like a CJ actually. Yeah, or even a CJ. Yeah, probably along those lines. Yeah. So just a basic sort of tinny for you getting into fishing, I would say, and also a good river basher too. So that's the Quicksilver range. Anyway, let's get into some fishing because hasn't been enough of it this morning. We're going straight to New South Wales. Fermi Patrick, did you see it? On fire during the He's on, on fire uh, with snapper on the jig. Best it's been. They're the reports, Redmond. The best it's been. Fish to 60 centimetres, uh, most around that 40 to 50 centimetre range. But it is going absolutely off. And the other the other region that's going off is Sydney Harbour with snapper to six kilos on soft plastics and bait. And it's sort of been bait them first, get them going, and then once you throw those soft plastics, once um, they're really chewing, then they're absolutely hammering the, the soft plastics. The other one, uh, Botany Bait, has been really big flatheads caught on plastics with fish to 70 centimetres. Not quite the magic metre mark that anglers strive for when it comes to flathead and pretty much any species, but 70 centimetres, you wouldn't throw that back, Redmond. I'll tell you what, any species, I'll take a metre wide in any day. I reckon that thing would pull all right. <laughs> Going over <laughs> to Queensland, the inshore reefs of Bundaberg are running hot. Mackerel, red emperor, broadchin, and plenty more as usual of Bundy. It's a really good time of the year, and you're not far off heading up sort of that way. I uh, just found out you're heading to Mission Beach without me, and I'm a little bit disappointed, but that's okay. Next time. And also the Burnett River holding really, really good schools of barramundi on the rock bar and also around the bridges through that river too. Using paddle tail soft plastics has been by far the best way to do it. And you want to run it in that sort of four to five inch range. Uh, and that's the best way of getting those barramundi at the minute, but feeding very, very well. The schools are holding fish, like roughly 20 fish to sort of each school. So it's it's it's... You just need to make sure your plastic is coming up off the bottom for these fish. You want to hit the bot. You want to hit the bottom, bring it back up, make it bounce up and down, create disturbance. I like a bit heavier jig, and it will work really, yeah. really well. Uh, heading over to WA, and uh, the Montebello Islands are still going crazy on the coral trout again, Patrick. Yeah, they are. And if you want to head to the Montebello Islands, um, we've had Barry Sullivan on before, and you can find the episode really quite easily. Um, wherever you download uh, your podcast, because Montebello Island Safaris offer an incredible experience around fishing there, but also working from uh, a mothership. Um, Blue Juice Charters is is the other one as well. Um, and there's some absolute crackers when it comes to. No, sorry, you're right to go. Sorry. 
there, there's some absolute crackers when it comes to you know going to that you know part of Western Australia. Yes, it does get windy as all hell, but it is an incredibly diverse place. I'm sure my normal reporter, Jazz Charters, is still getting plenty of snapper, but there was some nice tuna, as they like to call it over there, Western Angler reported during the week, the T-O-O-N-A, out of Durian Bay. So they were fish up to 20, 25 kilo yellowfin. So they were beautiful fish out of, out of that neck of the woods. And also Mulloway out of the coast, of, it's the indigenous name is the Yellow Bathara, which is, there was a uh, big, big Jewfish claw off the beach there, which is also the Northampton, for those that were wondering. It's only a new name there. It's coming to terms now at the moment. So it's it's big Jewfish off the beach, like really big fish. Like I'm talking 20 kilo, like cracking fish. So spend some time down there and you're going to get some beautiful fish and heading over to South Australia, Patrick. Well, you mentioned Jazz Charters, so they're still fishing out of uh, Freo and Snapper at the moment have been their target. But yes, South Australia, Wyala, garfish have been big, as have the whiting, and there's been plenty of snook um, on offer as well. And Port Mac is back, Redmond. Oh, I, I'm calling it. I, I, I called it. I called it. I said it wasn't the end of Port Mac a few months back, Pat. I'm taking the few weeks on. back. A few weeks back. I, was gonna, I knew it was coming. It was coming. And our good friend, Ned McHenry, he went down there with uh, want to fish charters and he managed to get five hookups. I think they landed two fish during the week, but it's been going there for about a week now, but it's great to see, but it's different fishing, Pat. So there's, let's, let's try and break this down as simple as possible, right? So different bait that the fish feed on, different methods come into play on how you catch the fish. It's also different ways that fish will, I guess, their feeding patterns and methods that come into the way that they feed is so different when they're on different baits. And now the way I'm going to explain it is when I'm fishing at home here, and we're going to get into my fishing in a minute, but when we get into home, these tuna are on white bait out of the, out of the front of ocean grove here where I live. Now Port Mac traditionally they're on your yakas and they're on your red bait and they're on slimy mackerel. They're on big baits, Pat, and they, they get these bait balls going and they're quite easy and enjoyable to fish. It's a different fishing. Like you've seen what I did during the year, earlier in the year, we're getting 10 to 15 hookups a day, like, like crazy fishing. Now Port Mac like I said, traditionally you do get your white bait there. Don't get me wrong, but those big baits—that's what the big fish tend to feed. If they can, it's easier for big fish to eat ten mackerel than it is to eat twenty thousand white bait. <laughs> it's it's like it's a much easier option for them to eat. So at the moment in Port Mac, they are on white bait. So it's a very very similar fishing to what I have back at home here. So they're harder to get the bite. They're harder to match the hatch. The the workups aren't like a bait ball where they can potentially stay up for an hour and a half the workup pops up in a spot and all of a sudden because they're on white bait it just gets pushed away and because you drive near it it's it's sporadic it moves and then all of a sudden it's 100 meters over to the right and there's another workup and these fish are so active on the surface that they're not getting up under the base so how do you predict where they're going like can you predict where they're yeah. going when you're out there yeah so the dolphins are your dead giveaway so the dolphins are a lot of the time on this white bait as well uh which the dolphins will go on the bait balls, but a lot of the time you get seals, and seals are probably the one dev giveaway for the big bait balls. The seals are on these white bait too, but once again, it's hard. for the dolphins, the seals, and the barrels. It's hard work eating twenty thousand white bait a day when <laughs> when you can eat half the amount of that in yakas, which are thirty centimeters long. So they're they're working hard, they're burning energy, so they've got to keep eating. But when you've got a ten inch lure, right? 
and you're running that through the spread and you've got they're feeding on two to four inch white bait it's very hard to match the hatch when you're trying to land potentially 150 kilo fish because the gear that you're trying to match the hatch with won't necessarily hold up so i'm talking like a if you run a three or four inch i guess skirt trying to match these white bait trying to get a hook to actually match that to into the fish with your leader size to run good in the water it's just not really uh, uh, it's not that easy to do so it's yeah. different fishing to what port mac traditionally is less boat traffic they're still feeding well uh polo bay they're on different baits there they're on the pillies portland they're on the pillies and white bait there so it's just a matter of what they're on to how they feed the patterns the methods and everything that goes into it when they're on the white bait you just need to constantly have your eyes observed watch the directions that the dolphins are moving in the dolphins are pushing 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 bait watch which way they're going try and cut in front of them the tuna will be either under them or just to either side of them but another thing is i've always said to you get to the workups get to the workups when they're on white bait these the workups don't hold up the fish a lot of our hookups out the front of ocean grove and when they're on white bait are actually in between the workups because the fish don't know the fish are in that whole area and it's getting work so hard in between so just to explain it a little bit for the guys that are struggling a little bit when they are actually on the white bait at the moment we'll continue with uh the big barrels in victoria in a second uh just quickly on tassie there's been some great rainbows caught out of how do you pronounce this aaron no that's why i let you have that bit <laughs> i'm going with tunga tina during the week <laughs> um, and long beach has been holding plenty of salmon for those wanting to flick some lures around Back to Victoria, and as we come up that coast from Port Mac to Portland, Apollo Bay, where there's been some still decent reports around some big, big fish. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to get one during the week uh, out of home here, which is Kano and I got a beautiful fish, 116 kilo, uh, and we didn't launch. <laughs> i tell you what, don't get me wrong, I, I harp on going to Port Mac and how much I love the joint, but it doesn't doesn't really get any better when uh kane and i ring each other at 9 30 in the morning and go oh do you want to go out yeah okay so we make our way down to the ramp and we're out with the fish within sort of half an hour and we hook up 10 minutes later and we're back home in a couple of hours <laughs> you know clean the fish and you're home in your own bed we're having dinner with the family it's uh port max great and i love getting away but it's always nice that they're home now and you can head out and do that but there's so many fish spread right around this this whole state right now so well, that is a good thing because as we hit school holidays, which we are now, do you expect the boat ramps to be utter chaos over the, the next few days? Yeah, so school holidays is going to be – well, let's not just talk about the barrels for these school holidays that are coming. Let's cover sort of what's going on in the whole saltwater scene right now for sort of what I'm doing, and then we'll get around the state a little bit, Pat. So you got these massive squid. Now, you would have seen on my social media during the week. I took young mm -hmm. Finn out, my son, and – hockey cartilage and we got uh 30 squid the size of your leg so my leg's not real thick but it's long patrick it's long that's the matter is the length <laughs> so they were they were big squid we got some beautiful squid and this is the time of the year they're going to drop their eggs now next week's show is going to be a bit more about the squid in depth of how to find the eggs a little bit early still did i get lucky mm, possibly but there's still they're going to fire up and get better so that's why next week's show is going to be a fair bit of detail on these squid eggs but then you've also got uh, the whiting in, in Western Port has really fired up. The snapper, Gwang 
have been smashing the snapper in Western Port. You've got the gummies offshore. I managed two two separate days. I managed two gummies and two gummies offshore. The reef fish, the pinky snapper offshore. Then you also come into the, in, the land-based area. We get a bit of weather, a bit of crappy weather, which we have a very good chance of getting after this beautiful weather. The snapper land-based, if you're St. Leonard's, you're Port Arlington, great for the kids. You've also got the squid off the piers at Queenscliff. You've got the Queenscliff Harbour. And then we go inland. You've got the Edwards River right up north there. You've got some beautiful yellow bellies coming out of there on yabbies. You've also got Port Ferry. And I don't know if you've been down to visit Salty Dog when he comes in, Patrick, but that bloke catches some beautiful fish down there. The gummy fishing on the bottom down there has been sensational. School sharks, barrel bluefin tuna, nanagai, you name it. So there's so much fish happening for this school holidays. And uh, we're going to do our best to cover it next week's show at the start of the show with a few places that you too can go and uh, take the kids and have some fun. You're listening to Real Adventures, guys. Do not go anywhere. That was the whip around. Coming up next, we have All Aboard, where we speak to Dave Meehan from Mercury Marine. You're listening to Real Adventures for Visit Mildura. Unexpected, unforgettable. Start planning and find out for yourself. Visit Mildura.com.au. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's now time for All Aboard. And our special guest today is David Meehan from Mercury Marine Australia. Morning, Dave. G'day. How are you, mate? Good, mate. You'll have to uh, excuse us today. Pat's sitting in lovely Port Ferry this morning, mate. So, uh... But plenty to talk about on the Mercury front. Pat, uh, some exciting things happening, mate. Dave, tell us about the Perth Boat Show. You're over in the West at the moment. What do you have on display? No doubt it is the West, so it'll be blowing its ringer off. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, that's not that's not wrong. Um, it's absolutely windy as over here, but uh, perfect for a boat show, which is good. So no one will be out fishing. They'll all come to the show. But um <laughs> We've got um, heaps on display. We've got four or five dealers here. Um, probably the big thing for us that we've had at the shows this year are the Avatar electric outboards. People are really interested in that new technology. And um, we've got um, three new models. We've got the 7.5e, the 20e, and the 35e. So it's like a 3, 5, and a 9.9 equivalent type outboard, which is pretty cool. As someone that's not super familiar with the electric game, Dave, now these engines, right, you've got, you put these electric engines on this on the smaller boats, you go away, for say, for example, Pat and I go away, want to do some river fishing, you run them off lithium batteries, how do you charge them? So obviously solar during the day, or do you need to run off lithium batteries? How, how does it work? You're just, going to, you're just going to run out of battery, or do they last all day? Do they have a long period of time where they're going to run for? How does it all work? Yeah, so they, they have their own specific batteries that come with them. So um, the 7.5e has its own one kilowatt battery and it slides into the top of the outboard. And you have to charge them for now through 240 volt. Just plug it into the wall and charge them up. And they take um, four hours. We come with a fast charger. They take about four hours overnight to charge them up. Okay. Um, so and the, the five horsepower and the 9.9 equivalent, um, they come with a larger battery and you get a little bit more time out of those so in the future we'll be looking at um, solar top-ups and things like that but right at the moment it's pretty much plug it in and when you're using those little small horsepower outboards an hour of runtime is a lot of runtime like you're not you're not going far with a with a small horsepower outboard so it gives you plenty of time to get a, an hour's runtime in those little fellas so where does mercury see the avatar 28 and the 35 E sitting within the market because it makes sense with that smaller 7.5e that it does have almost those replaceable 
you know, battery cartridges versus something that is more significant with the 20E and the 35E? Yeah, and I think we've had a heap of interest from yachting and that type of industry and uh, rowing clubs. Oh, yeah. Like row, rowing clubs use 9.9 horsepower, two strokes and four strokes. So the, the bigger 35E is going to be perfect for that. So when we get those, um, they come in around October, November. Um, we will be pushing pretty hard into that sort of industry. So we're looking forward to that. Whereas the 7.5E, I guess perfect for little car toppers and caravanners and guys like that who don't want to carry fuel and you can lay the outboard down on any side, so it's perfect for them. Where do you see the the electrification of outboards going, Dave? Because we're going to chat uh, in in a little bit about the the forty to one hundred and fifty horsepower range at the moment and a few offers you've got going. But where do you see this electrification market heading? Like, is it is it heading to a to a 60, 70 horsepower outboard, or do you see it as that lower end? Yeah, I think it'll probably max out at that level over the next five years. But yeah, I definitely don't think you'll be seeing uh, 150, 200 horsepower outboards like on on your guys' boats um, in the in the near future, unless the battery technology changes dramatically in the next um, three or four years. Now, yeah, Patrick, we all love a bargain. I was just about to say because you are the biggest tight ass that I know. Actually, that's not true. Oh. Um, but at the at the moment, you can get up to twenty six hundred bucks off, Dave. Uh, the forty to one hundred and fifty horsepower range of Mercury engines. Talk us through how that works. Yeah, so um, basically, there's a uh, on if you jump on our website, you'll find all our participating dealers. We've got a promotion that runs right through till November, so it's one of our longest running programs we've done for a while. And as an example, twenty six hundred bucks off recommended retail on a one fifty. Um, a 115 is $2,300, so never been a better time. If you want to repower prior to snapper season this year, now's the time to get in there and grab an absolute bargain. Now, Dave, it's coming into Victoria here and, and around the whole country as well, uh, the, the good season. The sun's about to come out. Everything's looking great. Now, people are going to be, uh, I guess, taking the cover off their boat for the first time like Pat does. And they're going to turn those Mercury's on like Pat's got his two 200s on the back. And they might not start or whatnot. What can people do to, uh, sorry, Pat, what can people do to, I guess, avoid any en- any engine problems? As someone that's in the marine world, what are the common things that you see that boats that don't get used? So someone, like I said, Pat, take the covers off. They're going to start the engine. Avoid the issues. What are the checks we need to do? Especially you too, Redmond. Uh, batteries would be the first thing that I'd check. Well, just well, let's let's I'll I'll take the gap there. So I took Dave out a little a few weeks back, and we drove perfectly to this spot and uh, go fishing. Some seriously hair, hairy conditions. It was quite big swell and 6.7 meters to be exact. Coming back in through the Bowen Heads Bar, Patrick, and uh, we we went to start the engine. And it wouldn't start, and I've gone, what the hell's going on here? Lucky I have always got my spare in the uh, in the front, uh, just just as an emergency. And in the end, it wasn't any battery or engine faults. Because I really maintain my stuff really well, as we all know, uh, the back of the isolator on my boat that had a corrosion wire corroded out on the back of the wire in the back of the isolator where you turn your batteries on, and my engine didn't start. I didn't know this till the next day, but luckily I had my pack, jumped the jumped the engine, I uh, jumped the battery, and somehow it started first click. But take out uh, take out the boss of mercury, and 
all of a sudden your your, your butt starts clapping a bit up the front when you're turning that turning that key and you're getting absolutely nothing. I tell you, mine was. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's, no, it, but I... all in all seriousness, like things like um, this time of year is a great time to get into a dealer um, and get your annual maintenance done. So most of the time they they're looking for a 12 month or annual service. So if you haven't had that done, don't leave it till November. The dealers get really busy. Um, and they often run um, promotions now to, to to try and get you in early so that um, they can fit everyone in. So definitely recommend trying to get in and get that done. But get your batteries checked, get your safety gear checked and all that sort of stuff. Do your lot, blow up life jackets and pull them out like I did the other day and found out my life jackets were out of date. Out of date. We've spoken at length about the, the length of um, well, they stain date before, which is, could be a challenge at different stages. Hey, before we wrap up, Dave, um, just quickly, let's rehash the Perth Boat Show, what you've got on display. It's a great time to go down and chat to all the staff um, down at Mercury and the dealers that are there and talk and also about the outboards that have on offer. And also to see the engines in person. like they, That's what I love about the Boat Show. Uh, you actually get to go there and see, and I like to say the size of them, but they're big engines, but like a, like a 200, for instance, it's not like, a, like they used to be. They're not these big optimaxes and whatnot like these beautiful new v6 engines are amazing to look at like and i'm only comparing the 200 here pat because obviously i've got one and you've got two of them on the back of yours it's a great place to go and get a feel for what you're actually buying too no definitely uh so we will have from the smallest 2.5 right up to the new v10 400 that's um generating a heap of interest um and we have some repower dealers there too so you know, it's a different thing coming in talking about I want to change the engine on my boat versus buying a new boat. So we're, we're going to be there to talk to you about different gauge options and different um, setup you can do on your boat. So, so that's what boat shows are good for. You can come down and chat to the experts, which is really good. Dave Meehan from Mercury Marine, thank you very much for joining us on Real Adventures this morning, taking us through the boat show, the new electric engines, and, of course, me nearly putting us out in the ocean stuck there overnight <laughs> thanks very much mate cheers guys thanks a lot you're listening to real adventures for visit mildura unexpected unforgettable start planning and find out for yourself visit mildura.com.au welcome back to real adventures and we are on the home stretch and like i said to you earlier in the show patrick is in beautiful port ferry and he's uh, making the most of the sun and Patrick, Red's tip this week, and it's going to be an early – I know next week's show is all about squid, but I had multiple messages during the week of people asking me, how did you catch so many squid in such a short amount of time? Now, for those that are playing new to the game right now and to the story during the week, we got 30 beautiful big squid, Pat, and they were, like I said, big. They were – hoods were 30 to 50 centimetres, beautiful squid. But the biggest tip I can give you when landing these big squid is – catching them as quick as you can. And what I mean by that is the squid are always pack hunters. The best time to get a squid is when you've already got a squid on. So flicking your jig behind that squid and not worrying about all your photos. Now, live bait tanks. Nearly every boat has them now. Hey, Pat, you, every boat's pretty much got live bait tanks. Basically, well, get your, they should. If you want to catch more fish, you should. Get your squid. If you get a few smaller ones and you're not going to take photos, you don't need to put 50 in the live bait tank. Chuck a few in the esky. But if you're going to get one photo, put it in the live bait tank. It stays alive and perfectly healthy. And you can get your photos at the end of the day. There's no point of catching a 50-centimeter hood 
And then all of a sudden, trying to get a photo with that squid and you miss out on potentially another 10 to 15 squid because we only did two or three drifts during the week, Pat, and those squid just following each other. They just kept coming one after the other. So what we did, similar to the kingfish, it comes back to the old uh, leaving your fish in the water to catch more kingfish, comes back to actually leave your squid in the water, let your mate hook up next to you, or flick a jig behind that one if you're by yourself, hook another one, bring that one in, and get your rotation system going. You'll catch so many more squid. Live bait tank, squid in there, and away you go, and you'll catch so many more. It's now time for the flying gaff. you all surely got something good for us. Something has happened down at Port Ferry along the lines. You have stuffed up somewhere. Anything good for us? No, I haven't stuffed no. up anywhere. Yeah. I, I was actually thinking, I was thinking over the past hour if there was any uh, a better gaff for something that I've done or failed to do around how I've set up the carry. And most of, most oh, of it's I was pretty good, to be honest. I, I did. No, I did uh, accidentally. It's got an out. So the outdoor kitchen area, it's actually plumbed as well and it's got hot and cold water. So the only thing I did wrong, I hooked up the hot and cold water on the wrong side. So. To put hot, you turn it to cold. So that, apart from that, it's been seamless. But the gaff apart this week, George, Redmond, George getting blisters on his fingers and whatnot—that's not too bad. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Um, Children—they're they're wonderful at work. Uh, it goes <laughs> to the next generation LDV or the current LDV, rather. <laughs> so LDV is a Chinese car manufacturer, and. Globally, it's known more as Maxis, but here in Australia, we know it as LDV. And they introduced during the year, and we spoke about this, uh, the first production electric ute. And it's safe to say the reviews haven't exactly been glowing around where it's at. But LDV have have released um, what they plan to be their new 2024 model. Um, in the second quarter of 2024. And they've said that they've learnt their lessons from the ET60 and they plan for it to be uh, a ute that has far greater range, far greater towing ability and far greater torque. They're talking about a thousand kilometre range, which would be extraordinary given what the current ET60 provides. Um, but the gaff goes to LDV because you can't promise all these things and not deliver. So the proof will be in the pudding when we finally get to see their new ute because all the imagery looks phenomenal. All the claim ranges, the tech behind it sounds spectacular. So, so we see it in the flesh. So you've got a premature gaff going on here. You haven't even premature seen the gaff. fish yet. You haven't even seen the fish and you've thrown it. Correct. Correct. Premature gaff. <laughs> Premature gaff. So, well, there, there is, it, you know what? The ET60 is the best electric ute in the Australian market. The only problem is it is the only electric <laughs> ute in the Australian market. So <laughs> hopefully like the next one um, raises the bar because it's 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 not setting the world on fire. They now they said from the very beginning when they first launched this ute that this was this was targeted at the commercial industry, um, but. I think anyone that's sort of seen the specs driven it hasn't exactly been terrific. So hopefully the next one they bring out is a game changer for the Australian market. And that is the Flying Gafford. Well, there it is, Pat. Enjoy your time and your last couple of days down in Port Ferry, mate. Enjoy that beautiful sunshine. Uh, Pat and I will be back in studio next week. You're listening to Real Adventures. I hope you get out in the water soon and we'll see you out there. <laughs>